Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we took a couple weeks off. We were going to go between Christmas and New Year's. That didn't happen. And then right after New Year's, school starting. So we got pretty busy. Uh, and we missed a lot of stuff. So we are back now. Um, we have a ton to talk about today. Uh, this probably won't be very edited. I'm going to try, once we're done recording, just try and put it on and then get it out. Uh, put the intro and outro on and and get it out as quick as possible. But, uh, yeah, let's start with some... We got some coaching buyers uh, and hires. Like every coach was fired. Yeah, we have some contract extensions, which seems a little strange for this time of the year. And we just have some other bits and points to talk about. Uh, there was some stuff we missed. You know, the Corey Perry suspension we missed. We're not going to touch on that. I think everyone knows where we stand on repeat offenders elbowing a dude in the head. Uh I don't really care that I think he missed his return to Anaheim or whatever it was. I don't really care about that. He deserved probably more than he got. But uh, let's start with some of the contract signings, I guess. So Ilya Kovalchuk, we talked about him when he uh, disbanded his contract from the Kings. He went to Montreal and what is a bit of a last-ditch effort for Montreal with all the injuries they're facing. Signed a league minimum two-way deal, so pretty much if he didn't perform, he was going to be uh, canned. And so far, he's actually performed. He's had seven points in seven games. I believe after last night, it's three goals and four assists for him. Um, he's playing in a bit bigger of a role. He's on the power play for them. And I think he's playing third, second or third line at 5v5 right now. Um, so I don't like, I, th- I thought the signing was fine. I mean, yeah, it seemed like the exact kind of contract we hoped Ilya Kovalchuk or a team would take shot it would on Jesus on Ilya Kovalchuk like low risk look if he flames out say this is a flash in the pan and he's still actually a below replacement level hockey player they can still bury him whatever it's fine I assume he'll go back to Russia oh yeah if if he gets waived he's going straight to Russia but he looks legitimately rejuvenated by the sounds of it yeah I mean he and he's put up really I believe his I mean very small sample size here of course but I believe his underlying numbers are like He's at like 52% in expected goals and course in Montreal right now. And, I mean, that's a good sign. And I think the Montreal system, you know, if Claude Julien is going to make anyone look a little better. but Yeah, Julien has that effect on players. That being said, I mean, how many times did we say while he was in L.A., maybe don't use him as a fourth-line role where he's playing power play two because that's not how you should be using a 37-year-old Ilya Kovalchuk. Um, he needs guys to play with, and he shouldn't be playing top line, I don't think. Uh once Montreal gets healthier, obviously, I think he'll go down. But he needs actual skill to play with, not like Tyler Clifford or whoever yeah, the hell the, he's playing with in L.A. The L.A. Kings' depth is not exactly a breeding ground for talent. Yeah, so uh, I, I think it was a smart move at the time, and it's paid off so far. But, yeah, to me, the best part about it for Montreal is, let's say he goes 10 games without a point. You go, okay, we don't need to play you. We yeah. can we can demote you if we want, and you yeah. can go back to Russia. and. I mean, this is, I, I think, you know, from all accounts, it looks like he know he realizes this is his last chance. Um, and then he he needs to he needs to prove it or he's not going to be here in the NHL very long. Yeah, the, the, you get all of his incentives lined up, right? Because he can go back to Russia, but he's here because he wants to be and he wants to prove that he can still hang in the NHL, so. Yeah, and uh, Montreal's in a bit of a weird spot right now. They're, I think, uh, as recording, they're five points out of a playoff spot. But uh, they, they're going to have some interesting decisions to make this deadline. There's already been talk about... Uh, they, so they've had two eight-game losing streaks, I believe. Or at least six-game losing streaks this year. Which, it's almost incredible they're still in even a relative playoff hunt right now. Yeah, it's so jam-packed. They are 3-6-1 and one in their last ten. 
it looks like their best case scenario here with Kovalchuk is he plays pretty well and you get something for him at the deadline. Yeah, so like it's it's almost it's amazing that they're even seven points within the playoff spot considering they've had two giant losing streaks. But and the East is so tight this year. Yeah, they have like a decent young core, but the problem is they also have Shea Weber and Carey Price, and it's already been talked about um, how they're not moving either either of those guys. Yeah, so, I saw that yesterday too. Um, Thomas Tatar is another name. He's got a year and a bit left, but I think at four point eight, you, you're, the team would take him, especially if you retain a couple uh, million or so. He seems like he would be a good deadline buy for a decent amount of teams. Yep. Um, you know, Nate Thompson. I think you could probably get a low asset for for a fourth line center for a playoff team. I'm sure some GM out there is already talking themselves into that for yeah. a fifth round pick or whatever. Kovalchuk's another one, obviously. Um, and then you have you know Marco Scandella. They picked up a couple weeks ago. He might be flipped. Uh, and then. You know, after that, they but they have and Jeff Petrie's another name. He has another year on his contract yet, but uh, the two biggest reports right now are Tatar and Petrie. And um, Elliot Freeman, thirty-one thoughts the other day, reported that uh, Jeff Petrie may get the Muzzin package if they trade him. That so, seems like the most obvious comparable. Yeah. He is older, but he's also right-handed, and teams value that more. And he's probably better. So yeah, I would say he's probably a little undervalued. I'd say that'd be my only pushback about him maybe not getting the uh, Muzzin package. But he at least used to be. Yeah, I don't know. I have, I haven't even checked how he's been this year, but uh, oh yeah, he's, he, got... he's still very good this year. Um, uh. But yeah, I think in the Muzzin package, for anyone who doesn't remember, is a first-round pick, Carl Guntram and Sean Dersey. So a first-round pick, a fringe NHL prospect, and a big work. Yeah, a big question mark. That's With a bit some of a long potential. shot. But I, I think the, obviously the first rounder there is the big point. And like if I get it's easier for us to say, yeah, you just have to tear it down and keep rebuilding. But I don't know if Mark Bergevin is going to want to say that because this is how many years now where he hasn't made the playoffs, and the the pressure's definitely got to be on. Oh, I would think it is, but they're also far enough out at this point that barring something ridiculous. Like, it's one thing to be seven points out of a playoff spot. It's another to be seven points out of a playoff spot with four teams between you and that wild card. Yeah, and I mean, no real goaltending to hold you up this year either. Yeah, it doesn't look like it. I mean, I think this year, you know, you could try and play the injury card if you wanted. You know, Byron, or Byron... Druan, uh, Kokniemi, Gallagher, they've all been out for extended periods of time. Uh, you know, maybe that doesn't get you anywhere with management. I don't really know, but maybe it does. Or uh, with They ownership. seem to trust Bergevin, so it wouldn't surprise me if it does. Well, to be fair, how many other French-speaking GMs do you know? <laughs> True. Um, like, and I haven't hated the core that Bergevin's built in terms of going forward. I mean... He's actually done... Because it's... Here's here's their big players under twenty one. Um, Kale Fleury, Victor Mete, uh, Ryan Pooling, Yasperi Kakniemi, Cole Caulfield is in the uh, NCAA right now. Nick Suzuki, Nick Suzuki is twenty years old. Like that, like the Tatar trade was good. Yeah, I mean that he has been like, you know, for how much even like the Subban trade for what it's worth. Now Weber's contract's gonna last way too long. That it's still gonna be bad, but. For what it's worth, it looks better than it ever should have, I think, at the point. Yeah, it looks way better than it did in hindsight. But, I mean, that or being... did at the time, Yeah, sorry. but that being said, one of those guys still has two years past this point, one has eight left, so or seven left past this point. So. Yeah, that's the other thing. I've seen people talking like, oh, Bergevin probably actually won the P.K. Subban deal. It's like, there's still, like, seven years left on 
34-year-old Shea Weber's contract. That yeah. And the back half was always going to be the problem here, so maybe pump the brakes on that a little bit. They also have Caden Primu and Nett uh, for going forward. You know, True. Michael McNiven. They have names that, you know, they can use. Um, but And it, picks. They have a lot of picks. Yeah, they do. They have uh, Chicago's second this year. They have all of their picks instead of their seventh. They have Chicago's seventh. They have Florida's fifth as well, and they have two extra fourth-rounders. Including an extra third rounder next year, so and depending um, on what they do with the deadline, they it could might be have what, a couple like more, three or four yeah. more than that. So the problem is always going to be trying to balance between you know the old core of Shea Weber and Carey Price and the new core. I still think I think if you wanted to keep Shea Weber, you probably could, even though I think that con- they have a choice. Yeah, I mean, but like if that, but the big thing is if he retires, you're not the one getting screwed by it. True, it's Nashville um, with Carey Price. You have to. Like, he has a full no move, so it might be too hard to trade him. But like, like people still think he's good. Yeah, I don't know if an NHL GM would take that uh, contract. Though. Even as last as of last year, people were still giving him as the goalie that they'd want in the one game situation. Yeah, I guess there are those Custom's articles all the time. Yeah, and, and like he always comes out looking great. I don't them. like people are starting. I've I, there's three different podcasts I've heard in the past week where. People are now starting to realize that Carey Price isn't good, but it's where we were two years ago, where it was like, okay, yeah, like he's he's still like as of last year showed he was a good goalie, but he's got to now rebound, even though now it's been two years or three years since he's been a good goalie. Yeah, now it's been a while. Like, yeah. it's at the point where this is the Carey Price we should be expecting. Yeah, not but now from four people years are like, ago. oh no, I still believe he can get to where he was just a couple years ago. It's like, okay, well, a couple years ago he was hurt and then he was bad, so. What are we expecting here? Yeah. Um, so I don't like. I still think if he wanted to move, you could trade him, but I I just don't see them doing it because of what he means to the community and the franchise. And he put a no move in there, so yeah, like he he would have to waive it. So, so you, it's not like you can. Well, maybe you could, but chances are, if he has a no move, you're not salary dumping him to some yeah. terrible team either. Very likely. Um, okay, so we spent way longer on that. We're not going to get through this episode, but um, or they might be a longer one. Let's move on. We have another league minimum contract. I don't have much to say about this one, but Justin Williams signed with the Carolina Hurricanes. League minimum and then a ton of uh, incentive bonuses. Uh, again, this seemed like something that was always going to happen. I really like this yep. for Carolina, for the story, for Justin Williams. I would say, I think Justin Williams, it's smart. He gets to, you know, uh, rest the whole year, or half the year, sorry. Um, you know, his legs are going to be much more fresh for the playoffs. He was a good player still last year. He was a solid second, third-line player. Yeah. Uh, it's not like this Maybe was... first, depending on... Like, he's, his production wasn't there, but his underlying, like, play-driving numbers are still amazing. Yeah, still I mean, amazing. his relative ones in Carolina were more second, third-line level, but, like, he was still very good. Like, he's not like this is guy's a boat anchor that it's like... No, not you're at all. Bringing, it's not like Mike Fisher when he came back a couple years ago. Now, he's getting to the point where past results are going to be... You're going to be really skeptical of his past results projecting going forward, especially missing four months of the season. But, yeah, I'm not saying he's going to be a second-line player, but, I mean, I don't really... But is there a reason to believe he's going to be a non-NHL player? Like, no. there's always a chance, obviously, but at 700 k I think that's a very reasonable chance to take. Well, that's the thing. Even if he's not an NHL player, then you're stuck with seven hundred grand for one year, and yeah, that's fine. Exactly. Bet and, on his upside still being there. Yeah, you know, and and uh, you know, we talk about leadership all the time, and it's a very, obviously a very overrated thing when it comes to contracts, but we're talking about a $700,000 guy, I think that bringing in lead, the leadership aspect of it uh, is 
fine. Yeah, like, worst case scenario. Like, it's a problem when a guy's making $7 million, and that's the first thing you have to say about him. But when he's making seven hundred grand, if that, at the end of the day, is all you all he adds to the team, then there are yeah. worse things in the world. I say, yeah, and when, you know, he also added, I think it was 53 points last year or something like that in, like, yeah. 70 games. I mean, I don't think you're going to have a problem with him also being a very good leader, apparently, for the team. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I like the deal. I thought it was... Uh, it's a good story, too. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was very smart. It's a good story, you know. Uh, so here's his bonuses if anyone wants it. Uh, he gets a games played bonus at 10 games. Um, he gets So he gets 150K for 10 games played. He gets 100K for 20 games played. If they qualify for the playoffs, he gets 250K. Um, for every round they win, he gets 300K. Um, so 100, or sorry, 100 grand for each round one, one to three, so 300 max. Uh, Stanley Cup bonus two hundred and fifty thousand. Uh, if the club wins the Stanley Cup two hundred and fifty thousand, and this is my favorite one personally. If he wins the Conn Smythe Trophy, he gets two hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars. Mr. Game Seven. Mr. You Game never know. Seven betting on himself. I love it. Um, yeah, I don't. Know. I thought that was, all, all those seem re- relatively reasonable. Yeah. I think so. Pretty much, it's going to be a guaranteed. I'd say well, he's going to get the two, the ten and twenty game bonus. I would imagine, unless he gets hurt, but. So it'll be nine fifty right there, and you would assume they make the playoffs. So one point two million or so, yeah. and then anything on top of that's gravy because it doesn't matter. Yeah, know? if he wins the con Smythe, you're happy to pay him that bonus. Exactly. So, um, especially because I think they have the cap space to be able to do that this year. So they always seem to have the cap. Space I say they're at one point one nine five right now, and and that'll only go up as the deadline approaches. Yeah, and they're an interesting team too. We're, well. We'll talk about them a little more, I think, later. But they have two first-round picks, two second-round picks, and two third-round picks this year. Not a bad spot, and they're good. Yeah, I would say yeah. in a year where they could buy if they want to as well. So I wouldn't be surprised if I, if you saw them trade one of their seconds, maybe. And that's one of the seconds is uh, New York. It'll be interesting to see where that ends up, because they've been on a bit of a heater recently, too. Like, Yeah, well, apparently they're looking for a forward, so it wouldn't shock me to see them package Jake Gardner's salary or something like that, plus one of those picks for... Yeah, I have be, no idea yeah. what forward. But. Or, you know, maybe even their own first rounder if they want to keep the Toronto one. Um, yeah. Or, you know, other way around. Depends if they want to bet on themselves. The Toronto one is... Uh, Top 10 protected. Yeah, but the thing, the reason I think they might want to keep the Toronto one is, let's say Freddie Anderson goes down and Toronto misses the playoffs by two points and it's the 14th overall pick. That's their pick still because Toronto doesn't get it back. It's also just easier to sell the bet on your own. Yeah. Bet on yourself as opposed yeah, to bet so, on the other team. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but, not that it's necessarily smart, but yeah, I don't know. Anyways, I thought that was a pretty smart signing. Uh, yeah, I liked it. Let's get to one that uh, I think has much more risk, obviously, than the previous two that we talked about, and that is Rasmus Anderson signing a deal, a, a long-term deal with the Calgary Flames. Um, so this deal is two, four, six years at four point five five million dollars. Um, there is no signing bonuses to it; it is all base salary. Uh, what do you think of this deal, I guess, primarily? So, I'm not entirely sure who they were in a race against to sign this deal. Like, I'm... It'll probably end up... Like, I know prospect people always love this guy. And his NHL results haven't been, like, bad. But it seemed odd to me. It's... Yeah, like, so his results... I don't know, like, he's been one of those guys who's like, oh, yeah, he's, like, the next big thing for years, and he's 23 years old now. Yeah. Um, this year, he's, he's been, like, not good. Like Yeah, and it's one of those weird ones where, like, 
the hockey viz model has them as like really 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 weak and then the evolving hockey model has them as like average ish yeah so i guess their internal stuff has a much closer to the or at least the evolving hockey cut uh model than micah's but like i don't know it's not a huge risk but still it's enough that there is a gamble to it um i think yeah like it's not I'm trying to think of recent RFA contracts, but there's been a lot where you sign them and you're like, oh my god, this is going to be one of the best deals in the league going forward. It's definitely not It's that. not one of those. No. I, I think it's... It has potential to be a steal, though. Yeah, or, you know, potential or, to just be fine. Like, Yeah. I don't think... I would be a little surprised, I think, if this deal ends up absolutely sewering them. You know, where it's like in two yes, years he's not too. an NHL defenseman, or he's like a number six, and you're like, oh my god, you're paying too much for him. Yeah. I just, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, like, could this not have waited till the summer and then you try to get them a little cheaper? They clearly wanted to go long-term with them. Um, and I guess if, you know, if you think he's someone you can bet on to go long-term with, like, he, yeah. this year he's been bad. Like, by evolving hockey standards, he's been very bad. Um, his 2019-20, he's been, like, negative two standard deviations away in offense for goals four per 60. Now, to me, that's the least important one. Your yeah. goal's four per 60. I don't think you can really... Sometimes you just can't affect that much. He kind of looks... He's like, he's solid defensively. Or, you know, good enough defensively this year. Yeah, like, he doesn't look too far different from, like, a Travis Dermott. And if the Leafs sign this contract, a lot of people would be like, what the f*** are you doing? Yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, it's not the worst thing I've ever seen. It's just also not, like, the best. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, you hope to be getting value out of your... RFA deals, I don't see an argument that this was that other than what people thought he was going to be before he entered the NHL. Hockey Viz has him really good in his own end as well, so like maybe they're just betting that his offensive game can take a step or two forward and his defensive game starts to grow a little bit. Yeah, but like he's got like when he's on the ice, it says Calgary's got a minus eight percent threat um, and minus two when he's not on the ice. So it's like. There are tangible differences this year when he's on the ice versus yeah. off the ice. Now, I also don't know who he's playing with, because if he's playing with Mark Giordano for his bulk of his minutes... True. Do you have the Patreon? Uh, yes, uh, I do. Look at his isolated threat, though. I don't even remember where he... I think you have to go to the team page for that. But I remember Micah posted it, and Micah's model did not like him at all. I'm pretty sure it had him as below average for both. I can't even find it. Go to uh, Calgary Flames. Yeah. There's players below you. Uh, Where are the group of players? there? Yeah, and then just click on career for Anderson. Oh, okay, yeah. Defensive, yeah. Um, okay, here's oh, he is above average defensively. Yeah, sorry. I mean... But well below average yeah, like he's Yeah, he's not... like When he's on the ice, the Flames struggle to uh, produce offensively. And, I mean, a big part of that is right in front of the net, so you wonder how much a defenseman has on that sometimes. But... Yeah. At the same time, minus 12 is still a very big number that you would like to see change. Yeah, and like like the primary driver behind salary is like points and time on ice. It's why it's why this is so confusing that, you know, they couldn't get cheap. Yeah, or, yeah, I don't really get the rush. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know. I, I think it'll, I, again, I would be surprised if this is one we look back in, in three or four years and be like, that's the worst contract in the league. 100%. But just... I, I just don't think... I don't love it. No, I, I think it has, you know, you're hoping for it to be just good for you, which I don't think you should, like, when you're signing a contract that early, I, I don't think you should be, you know, at least just hoping that it's only good. 
you should be expecting it should be good and hoping it's amazing. Exactly, because let's be honest, no one was going to offer Sheetum in the summer or anything like that. No. Um, we got one more contract to talk about quick before we move on to the coach firings. Uh, that's Nicholas Backstrom. Signed his own contract, no agent. Um, I have some thoughts about this. $9.2 million cap hit for five years. Uh, Backstrom is currently 32. He'll be 33 when the contract kicks in. I don't like this from Washington's perspective. See, I don't really like the contract. Well, I definitely don't like the contract in a vacuum either. But have you seen Breaking Bad? No, I uh, okay. I saw the first season. Okay, well, there's the one episode where it's the main character's friend or coworker, I guess, is like no half measures. Like if you're gonna do it, do it. Yeah. And if you're not, don't. Well, I they're clearly all in. You didn't have an option to let him walk. Let me be clear. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like, like that I understand, and I'm very. Let me get this straight. I'm very happy for Nicholas Backstrom because he has been criminally underpaid for the past you know four or five years. Or yeah, more. His yeah. entire previous contract. He, six point seven million dollars as a cap hit is disgusting. So yeah. um this year he's struggled a little more in terms of underlying numbers. His base points are still there. You know, a lot of that comes from power play too. With Washington's power play and yeah. his passing ability, his point totals are always gonna be there. Nine point two is just a lot. Now, again, like I I don't really know what they were supposed to do here. Yeah, it's one of those ones where like I would feel very comfortable betting that he will underperform this contract, but also, at this point, you're so all-in on this roster it, It's that... like you need to be competing for this next year or two, and, you know, signing him, I think, also probably helps your chances of... I don't think Ovechkin was going to go anywhere, but if there was a, a worry that he was going to go back to Russia, I think this at least helps it. Yeah, I would uh, I, so. I could see Ovechkin signing a four-year deal next year. Yeah, uh, like and the then them ending at the same time, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I can see um, that. The other thing I think people have said uh, to me is that it's better that this money goes towards Backstrom than Holtby, and I'll agree with that, but I would have... 100%. I wouldn't have paid Holtby regardless. Even if you had to let Backstrom go, I wasn't going to pay Holtby. No, not a chance. Like, uh, he's been bad. This, he's had like an eight ninety nine or something this year. He's kind of got that, like, uh, price territory thing where it's been long enough since he's been good. Like Or, like, Maybe elite, this right? Is just yeah. Who he is. yeah. I mean, he had a very good playoff run, but I think people even forget that year. He wasn't the starter heading into the playoffs. Yeah, it was Grubauer. It was Grubauer. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think if you're Washington, you didn't really have a choice. I was just more surprised. Um, I thought they'd get more of a discount than this, as maybe as weird as that sounded. Yeah, like it's tough because on the open market, he probably could have got. Oh, that. he absolutely would have. It was just the whole thing of him not having an agent. Everyone was like, "Oh yeah, no, he wants to stay in Washington. He's not leaving Washington." I thought for sure that they were going to be able to get him on like a reasonable deal, a reasonable term. But uh, like, it's not. I don't know. Like, it's one of those contracts where it's so just like you know, it's not probably not going to be worth it. But it, what, like, you're fine with it anyways. Yeah, like, there's a pretty good argument he's already not worth $9.2 million. I, Yeah, I would say he's probably not, but... The main argument that he is is basically, look, points. Yeah. And it does not go any deeper than that. But I mean, so like... like, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. It's probably not going to be a good contract. No, but, I would be shocked. But it's like, what do you do if you let him walk? Because it's like, you're at such a disadvantage if you let him walk for the next year and a half, two years, right? Like, yeah, you're like still you're trying not, to go for it. You're not trying to go for it on Ovi's last year with Lars Eller and Nick Boyd rounding out your middle six centers. Exactly. So, like, yeah, I don't know. It wasn't 
It was just higher than I expected, but maybe that's on me for expecting it to be a bit lower because he was doing his own contract, and from yeah. by all accounts, it sounded like he was going to get a hometown discount. But. And I'm sure he's got a little bit of that. You paid me six point seven million dollars oh, while I, I was playing a point I per game. I don't for blame him at all for getting what he got. Um, yeah, good for him. Yeah, because he again he deserved it after that cap hit that he had on the last one. Um, you know, for the player he was, I mean, the joke I think now is that he was on everyone's most underrated list and. Maybe he wasn't actually underrated, but I think he was underappreciated in his prime. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and, you know, underrated now, maybe not, but underappreciated, I think so. Um, so, you know, I think it's it's good to see him at least getting his money. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I was just a little surprised, but that obviously could just be my own doing, I think. Um, yeah, that's fair. I, I didn't really know what to expect. I guess this is... Like, I would have loved to have seen what a contract projection model would have had for him. I don't think we're ever going to get to see that now. But Yeah, I, I don't know um, either. I don't um, know how far away this is from that. But, uh, okay, do you want to get some New Jersey or coach news? Yeah, let's, let's start it. with New Jersey. Uh, Ray Shiro got uh, fired. They, they parted ways. So the latest 31 Thoughts came out, and they said that part of this was because the analytics <laughs> department wanted more. Or, sorry. I believe the way it was phrased was ownership wanted the analytics department to be more in on the decision making, and Ray Shiro wanted it to be him and his two or three groups or group of people or whatever, and so they felt it was better to part ways. Yeah. Also, that quote read to me like Elliot was trying to do everything in his power to insinuate that like the analytics department was pushing for this while also being able to go. Yeah, I didn't say that exactly. <laughs> um, so here's the funny thing. Okay, uh, the funny thing about the analytics department is everyone automatically thinks Tyler Dello. Kane's his boss, oh, if say, I remember correctly. Matt Kane is on that department, and if he's not his boss, he's at least right with him. I'm pretty sure Kane, or at least Kane's title, if I remember correctly, Director of Hockey Analytics, yes. New Jersey Devils. I don't know what Dello's is. I don't really care either. Like, I think it's Vice President. Yeah, VP. Yeah. So that reads to me like Kane. Yeah. At the but very least, they're equal. Yeah, yeah, but everyone's like, yeah, and that's the same thing. It's like, I was having a discussion, and, you know, I never really agreed with a lot of what Dello said. Yeah, it's sad um, that all of this gets pinned as Dello as the uh, Jersey's analytics guy, because the public's opinions matched way more in line with Matt Cain yes. than Tyler Dello. Well, and that's the thing. So it was like, yeah, they wanted more uh, analytic decision-making this summer. It was like, didn't, like, most of what they did this summer at least kind of go with, like, analytical thinking? Yeah, I didn't. Like, you got your second first overall pick in three years, so you went with a buy-low candidate in P.K. Subban, who, it hasn't really worked out, but, like, it was a smart enough bet, in my opinion, and the Gusev bet is paying off, and it looks smart. The Everyone si- on Twitter I followed loved yeah, the Yeah, I thought bet. what they, yeah, and, like, even the Wayne Simmons one, sure, you overpaid him, but it was one year, and it was like, okay, show us what you can do. Yeah, one year, worst case scenario, you're training half the deadline, yeah. and somebody's going to give up a second round and pick that's or exactly what's going to happen. So, yeah. like, I just didn't really understand that. I mean, I guess if, you know, internally it was like Chiro really didn't want to listen to the analytic department. Yeah, um, and maybe that was all by chance, yeah, right? Yeah, like, so maybe that's fair, but yeah, it was just interesting to see, like, everything getting pinned on Tyler, Tyler Dello when it's like, okay, he's definitely not the only person there. Um, yeah, I also just, given the current state of the NHL, I'm highly skeptical that an analytics department has the sway to get Ray Shiro fired. Yeah. Like, maybe they do. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. Maybe, maybe ownership really uh, felt like they should, but... And uh, if they do, good for them. Like, ooh. I would trust Matt Kane with a lot, I would think, if I was running a team, but... Yeah, uh, breaking news. Last night, I was going to bring this up. Dougie Hamilton uh, went down hurt, suffered a broken fibula. Oh, so, shit, he did yeah. break his leg? So he's uh, they're determining if surgery is going to be needed. 
um, half a season at least, so he might be out for the rest of the year. This might be been, back by playoffs. This might have been the year he got Norris. Left. I would say he's been very good. That is a tough loss. Um, That's sad. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry, but back to the Devils, I guess. There's not much to say on the Hamilton thing other than, damn, that sucks. Yeah, it's too bad for Dougie. Um, for the Devils, it's like, yeah, like, I don't know. I thought their decisions were fine, but, you know, maybe their ownerships want to go more analytical. And if Shiro didn't want to listen, like, and, you know, this is the thing that if you have staff, use them. Like, 100%. Like, you don't need to do what, like, everything that the analytical department says, but, like, this to me reads that he was just not listening to them either. Or, like, as much as he should be, you know? Yeah. Where there'd be times where they say to do something, you'd be like, no, I'm not going to do that. You know? So, if that's the case, you just can't do that. You shouldn't be doing that with anyone. No, why do you... You could have a scout where it's like, you don't agree with a single one of his opinions, but, like, if he's got a proven track record of having some hits on players or whatever, you should at least take what he's saying into consideration. You know? like Yeah, or else why are they there? Exactly. So, I don't know. Like, I, I think that... You know, the bigger question to me is why you let him deal your biggest star player two weeks before you fired him. And did he not fire John Hines, too? Yeah, he fired John Hines. And then, you know, that one I'm more reasonable with, I guess. But, like, why are you letting him do the Taylor Hall deal and then you're firing him? I'm assuming he probably didn't know he was going to be fired two weeks yeah. later. It's, uh, remember when Edmonton traded, or... or... Fired Peter Shirelli, like, a week after letting him do the Koskinen deal? Yeah, so what it must mean is everybody else in the room was comfortable with yeah. the whole deal. the other I thing think, is, right? I, I feel like this didn't seem like something where ownership was planning on doing it three weeks ago. You know what I mean? Like, within Edmonton, it was like, he literally five days after did the deal, they fired him, There's like... Oh, yeah, we were thinking about it when he was negotiating the contract. It's like, well, why would you let him negotiate then? Yeah. But it's like, with this, it was like there was no rumors of that coming out until it happened. So it's like, it it feels more reasonable to me that, like, he was actually trying to plan for the future with this. So, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Like, And it, it was weird that they walked away from each other. Yeah. I don't know if that's actually how it went down, It, it might have been one of those things where it's like, what's kind of happening in baseball right now, where it's like... From all accounts, so Carlos Beltran walked away from the or parted with the Mets yesterday, and uh, but now reports coming out that he wanted to stay, and the Mets were like, "No, you can't be here." Um, which is yeah. a, it's a good thing we're on a baseball podcast because we would have hours of content oh, to talk about right today. Now. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think that it'll be interesting to see where New Jersey goes next if they're more analytically driven. I think that'll be interesting. Uh, I definitely side more with you know Matt Cain than. <laughs> Tyler Dello, but at the same time, I believe Matt Cain's the one who hired Tyler Dello, so... Yeah, I don't know who went first, but... And they were both right around the same time, but I want to say it was Matt Cain first, but I can't remember. Either way, like, more analytics is good, you know. I guess if we start seeing guys where they're Corsi 4, 10 seconds after a face-off <laughs> draw on the right side is really good, you know, maybe maybe we'll know who's doing more of the decision-making yeah. there, but... No, I, I don't know. I, it'll be interesting to see who they go with their next GM. You know, maybe they go more of a Carolina approach where it's like he's the GM by name, but it's like it's a round table of what, what you decide to do, and the GM just makes the call. Yeah, that could be. Um, um, and I, that's proved to work for Carolina so far. And Yeah, Carolina looks good. I mean, if you have the right name, like obviously having uh, Wiles, Eric Tolsky in there, you know, is going to help that. But, you know, surrounding yourself with smart people is the way to go. So Yeah, agreed. Uh, you want to go to – let's go to – the guy who got fired, and then... Actually, no, let's go to where Hines went to. We have so many firings to go through. Peter LaViolette fired in Nashville. Uh, his goaltending's been... Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. His goaltending's been bad all year. Uh, John Hines comes in. 
they are now currently, I don't know what the record is since he's been there, but they're currently still second last in their division right now. And they are roughly six points out of a playoff spot, it looks like. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't, like, I don't think this was really on Laviolette. Um, no, I would I would raise a pretty skeptical eye to the fact that this is Peter Laviolette's fault. Yeah, I mean, like, their possession numbers have been fine, good. They're a good, they're a good but not elite 5-on-5 five five team with a, I would say, good but not elite roster. Their problem is they came in with two goalies this year where they thought they were in comfortable hands with either of them, and both of them have <laughs> sucked. Um, yeah. Pekarene, I don't think it was, it's wild to assume that a 37-year-old goaltender could fall off the map at any time, but... Unlike most, like, we'll talk about another team in a second here where they also have a similar thing, but they didn't have a backup plan. UC Saros has been good in that for the past couple of years, and it's always been the plan to make him the starter, and he's sucked this year, too. Yeah, it's not... Wouldn't be easy being the head coach of, of the Nashville Predators right now with no goaltending from either of your two options. No, and I mean, they've been banged up all year, too, but, like, uh, goaltending is just what sewered this team. So, uh, yeah, I don't, like... I don't think... To me, this kind of... Uh, we'll get into, obviously, there's still two more to talk about. Uh, there's one that I really disagree with. But for me, most coaching hires and fires don't, they're just, they don't, to me, don't make a tangible difference either way. Yeah, a lot of people, we've said this before, a lot of people on Twitter have said this before, and the carousel that we've seen in the past two weeks or month or so seems to kind of prove that NHL teams think this is true as well. Yeah, it's like a lot of the guys aren't going to push you very hard one way or very hard the other way. And also, like, firing a guy, you know, might not be the greatest call, or it might not be his fault, but at the same time, it might be the right call to make just to try and get, kick your team in the butt a little bit. Because, you know, that's one of the things we can't measure is there definitely is, for a lot of teams, um, a performance base where it's like, oh, shit, we just got this guy fired. Like, this guy got canned because of us, you know, and it, you know, reboots them a little bit. And obviously that's not going to be a long-term thing. Yeah. You know, if you have obvious flaws in your roster, you're going to be bad no matter what. It's not like if Detroit Red, the Detroit <laughs> Red Wings fired their coach, they'd suddenly rattle off eight wins in a row or anything like exactly. that, right? But, so, like, I'm skeptical every time I hear this guy lost the room or whatever, but I'm sure it does legitimately yeah, happen I think sometimes. it does, too. You know, like, I, I don't know. Like, when we played minor hockey, by the end of the year, if you had a coach you didn't like, you'd be like, I'm not listening to this idiot. Yeah. Like, like, screw this guy, right? So... Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't. I think Laviolette's a good coach. I think he'll find a job soon enough. Yeah, I don't think he's sweating the fact that he's going to be unemployed for long. No, I don't think so. That I don't think so either. Uh, he, he's a solid coach. He's had success wherever he goes. Um, you know, he had some really good teams in Nashville. It's a shame they couldn't get to the cup or win the cup. But yeah, it's too um, bad. Yeah, uh, I don't have much more to say than that. I think John Hines coming in is a little interesting. Yeah, I don't really know how I feel about John Hines. My one okay, my one point on this is that so they did it before the other two coaches were about to name came available. I guess if your thing is, hey, we got an underperforming team, we need to make a change. Who are you gonna hire? So you just hire them for one year. I don't really have an issue with it. Yeah, like, and everybody talks about head coaches as your one bullet. Dave Poyle's been there for so exactly long, like, right, and and by all accounts, it's like he doesn't want to keep doing this for too long. He wants to win a cup, so it's like. Management knows he's not going to be screwing around here. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't know. For me, it's like we joke about the carousel of NHL coaches, and it is very, very true. Just in this particular instance, it's like, well, who is he going to hire midseason? You can't get a college coach. You can't get an AHL coach that's not your own, and you can't get a junior coach. So it's like you have to just hire an old hockey coach, NHL coach, right? Yeah, and Hines seemed to 
Like, I don't think it was all negative in New Jersey either. No, I, I, I don't know. He seems like very much one of those guys that didn't swing the needle at all, but, you know, I don't I don't think he really kills your team either, so... Yeah, like, if you went in, if the day he got hired, you assumed he was average. I'm not that close to the situation, but I don't have a ton of evidence that makes me think he's one of the worst coaches in the league. No, I don't think he's, like, bottom five or anything like that. And, I'm again, like, it's just like, if you know you need a change to try and get your guys going for half a year... If your alternative is just you think you're going to be a bottom team anyways, what's what's the issue? Like, yeah, I don't it, know. It reminds me of the next team on our list that I think he's in a position where he might get a ton of credit for something that could have happened anyways, which is Pecorine remembering how to play goalie. Yes. Um, to be fair, I want to go to one more before we go to the next team on our list because it's the guy who got hired by the team. Peter okay. Bohr gets fired by San Jose. Right. Um we obviously, he then gets hired by Las Vegas a couple weeks later. Uh, the San Jose part, I don't even remember who replaced him. Let's check. Oh, uh, Bob, Bob Boogner. Yeah. Um, so, again, another ex-NHL coach. But, again, it's like, what do you do when no one's, unless Laviolette, but he didn't want to coach, obviously. And, you know, I don't think anyone's bringing in Mike Babcock this year. No, I don't um, think that would be a good idea. Uh, for San Jose, uh, it's a mix of their goaltending killed them, but also their core is old as dirt, and they just haven't, this is the year they've kind of started to fall off a cliff. Yeah, like, this was always going to happen eventually in San Jose. Yeah. Um, also, get out of here with the Joe Pavelski would make their team unreal. <laughs> He's on pace for 33 points this year at, like, 36 years old. I get he has leadership, but there's no way if one guy leaves your damn room and falls apart like that, that's the reason you suck. Yeah, you got a pretty fragile room, and you should probably be fired if 36-year-old Joe Pavelski was the... The one like thing holding all of this together. I think you can question the Eric Carlson contract in terms of like, if you don't think you're going to be a cup contender for the next year or two, and you know you're going to have to rebuild in three years, why would you sign it? It looks worse now than it did at the time it was signed. I don't even... think you can question this contract even now. Of why would you sign that if it meant let, letting Joe Pavelski go? <laughs> like, are you effing kidding me? Like, come on! I I know everyone loves Pavelski, but he's got like. 10 points in Dallas or something like that. Yeah, like, Pavelski was good, but you didn't want to sign that three years. No, it, it's deal. like, whatever. Like, I don't really care. Like, it's just, it's the classic tropes of, like, but Pavelski's not going to be the team that, or the guy who moves the needle for this team. They're old as dirt, and they suck. Vlasic sucks. Brent Burns isn't what he used to be. Yeah, I saw somebody, I think it was Greg Wyshynski talking on Twitter about how uh, what's his name? Pete DeBoer is going to show up in Vegas and be like, "Who's my Brent Burns and Eric Mark but Mark Vlasic?" Yeah, and, and, looks, and looks at looks at Nate Schmidt and uh, Shea, Theodore. Shea Theodore, and then someone was like, "Well, I'd much rather Shea Theodore and Nate Schmidt in 2019-20 than and, that, and those two. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, like Vlasic's horrible. Yeah, Vlasic's been like actively below replacement level for a while now. Yeah, and like Burns is like he's just not. Same with Carlson. Like Carlson's been good enough this year. He's just not the top three defenseman that we know. Like we've known, right? Yeah, he's like, not the best defenseman of the past decade. Burns' like, defensive metrics him. have been horrible, and his offensive output hasn't been good either. Yeah, he's just had some puck luck by the looks of it. Uh, you know, yeah, and like Carlson, it's it's one of those things where it's like this year, you know, he's been. Good enough, but um, he hasn't had as much puck luck this year. But and you know, he just he, he's Eric Carlson, but less. Like if he's, that makes any sense, he's you know, twenty nine, not twenty four. Exactly. Well, and that's the thing. So it's like I, I just hate the tropes in hockey where it's like 
Carlson is 33 points this year. That's not bad. But then everyone goes, oh, yeah, well, it's not the points that's a problem. It's like, okay, but, like, he's also not, like, his ankle is still clearly an issue. You know, you watch him get burnt sometimes. But it's like the numbers show that it's like he's not that freaking bad offensively. Yeah, by our best estimates, Burns is only benefit is points. Well, and, and that, that's the stupid worse thing. Worse at defense. Yeah, than that's Carlson. the stupid thing. It's like they use this for Carlson. It's like, oh yeah, defense is the problem though. And they go, yeah, but Brent Burns is fine because he still has 42 points or whatever, yeah. but it's like, and they don't mention his defense. It's like, he's an active liability out there. Yeah. It's like, like I just don't understand. And it's just, you know, when you don't pay attention to the situation that's going to happen. It shouldn't be surprising. It's just frustrating. But yeah, Peter DeBoer, I don't think San Jose was really his fault. I think he's a fine coach. Yeah, I, um, and I was going to say I think he'll land on his feet, but he obviously did. Yeah, um, we'll get into the Vegas situation one second. I don't I don't know what you do with this roster. They're screwed. With the Sharks? Yeah, yeah. they're screwed. They're going to be Detroit 2.0 in a couple years. Yeah, I have no idea what Bob Bugner yeah. is going to do. Especially because you still have Martin Jones in net, who's garbage. Yep. Martin Jones sucks, and Aaron Dell isn't any better. Yeah. So like, I, ha- yeah, have fun with that. Port, yeah. Yeah, like I, I just don't know what you expect to do there. Like they're not. I hope they just tank because I want their pick. True. Um, yeah, like, you guys have their first. Yeah, I know. So like, uh, I don't know. Like, I, I don't really think there you can expect much here. Let's get to L.A. or Vegas though. This was a shocker to me. Absolute shocker. So out of nowhere. Vegas is one point was one point out of the playoffs when they made this move. Uh, they beat Ottawa last night. Congratulations, you beat the freaking Ottawa Senators. So I believe they're in a playoff spot now. Uh, they're in the wild card, card yeah. spot. Yeah, they're in the wild card spot. They are tied with the Canucks for third, and they're one point out of the division lead. That's hilarious. And they fired their coach. Now, the whole thing that came out was, oh, yeah, he wasn't holding enough players accountable. I have no idea if that's a true thing or not. I don't. So a couple minutes ago I said I'm always highly skeptical whenever people say, oh, the coaches lost the room. Why I'm highly skeptical of that is because Gerard Gallant was the player's coach yeah, well, and the Florida Panthers were idiots for firing him and even, all the um, players loved him um, and, and now he lost the room. Like, What's the dude that got traded to Buffalo? Colin Miller. Yeah. La- yesterday he came out and said, I don't know what they're going to do there. Like Everyone loves him. Yeah. And this is a guy who didn't get played by him. He was healthy scratch. He was like, oh yeah, everyone loves yeah. him. Healthy scratched. And there was a lot of legitimate arguments that... He should not have been held. Like, he was unfairly yeah, exactly. healthy scratch Now, there. maybe maybe the argument is that that's why players love him so much, is it's like he's maybe not as hard on them as he should be, and that's why people like him so much. But I, I don't know. Like, they're a top three team in possession. It's just Marc-Andre Fleury's been garbage, and the GM didn't bother giving them a backup option. Yeah, I don't know what... Gerard Glant was supposed to do here? Yeah, well, and it's like, even with that, like, they had, like, bottom 10 goaltending, and they're still two points out of the division lead. Yeah, like, I wouldn't buy an argument that has Vegas outside of, what, the top six teams in the league? Yeah, and I mean, and they're going to add at the deadline. They have so many picks to work with still. It's kind of crazy, really. Like, that, like the, they set themselves up so well that they still have an extra second, an extra third, and two extra seconds next year. So like yeah, those are still the Penguins. They are just getting the flurry pick yeah, in the second round this year. Exactly. So it's like, I like they have stuff to work. I just I, I don't know. Like this is one where it's like DeBoer's a fine coach. Um, I don't know what the difference from DeBoer to Gallant is. I would probably take Gallant though. I would probably take Gallant too, but like I think he's a good coach. I, I but like I don't know. Like the I think if DeBoer's not available, you probably don't do this. I would. 
maybe but maybe not... you maybe you hire Laviolette instead. Yeah, that's true. Right? I guess like I don't I don't yeah. I just to me this seems bad. There's not too many coaching fires where I disagree with. I disagree with this one. Yeah. Like I, I just I don't know because it's like yeah, like uh, again, the whole theme here is yeah, coaches might not have that much of a tangible impact either way. His team is like fourth and third and fourth in possession metrics. Yeah, they clearly he clearly has had a tangible impact. Yeah, by all accounts, they're one of the best teams in the league at five on five. Their expected goals for percentage is sandwiched in second place between the Tampa Bay Lightning and Pittsburgh Penguins. Yeah, and it's just like sports aren't fair, but how do you not give a guy who took your expansion team in year one to the Stanley Cup Finals? And not only that, it wasn't like they were just riding a massive PDO bender the entire way. That was a part of it, obviously, but they had legitimately good underlying numbers that year, too. Yeah. For a team everyone thought was going to suck. And, like, yeah, the GM, uh, props to the selection team there, but the coach is a big part of that, too. He had to use them all in the right way as well. Yeah, I would think you don't select players without the coach having heavy input. Last year, they were legitimately one of the best player teams in the league. Like, they, if if they wouldn't get screwed out of, like, a five-minute call last year, or into a five-minute call, I should say, they could have been in the conference finals. I thought they were a better team than St. Louis. Who yeah, knows? Maybe they exactly. would have Yeah, like, like who, they could have, like, went to a cup final, maybe won last year. But they got screwed in the first round, and, you know, it happens. But it's like, how do you not build up a bit more goodwill as a coach than a seven-game rough streak where it's like they lost four games in a row, all right, you're gone. Yeah, and all of uh, Kelly McCrimmon's quote about it, um, I don't... It didn't even sound like he knows why he fired him. It kind of it kind of smells like ownership stepped in. It was like, okay, we're not winning all the time. What's going on here? I don't know if that's true or not, but like, would it be that shocking if that's what happened? No, it would be less surprising than the idea they just thought Gerard Gallant really, really, really needs to go yeah. randomly in the middle of January. Yeah, because I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know what to say about it. Um, I think it's a mistake. Uh, I, I think it's it's probably not going to hurt them as much as people would originally think just because DeBoer's a fine coach, and if you get some goaltending regression, that's just going to look like DeBoer, DeBoer did some good stuff. Yeah, DeBoer's in a great spot here because if you show up, change nothing, but Fleury remembers who he is, you look like a god. Exactly, and it's like, you know, like it's not like they fired him to hire some, like, uh, Carlisle, Randy Carlisle or anything like yeah, that. Exactly. But I just, I, I don't agree with it. I don't I don't agree from an optics standpoint either. You look at the organization. Let's say you're up for a role as a player or coach or anything, a GM or anything in the future. And it's like, okay, wait a second. Like this ownership had their coach take their team to a Stanley Cup final in year one, which I just, I can't get over how insane that is. Could have gone all the way in year two, but got screwed by a four minute or five minutes of bad bounces. And then... Fired him after a bad four-game stretch in year three. After their, yes. Well, and, and not only that, a four-game stretch where they were still two points away from the division lead. Yeah, they're 5-5 five, five and they're, they're five and five in their past ten. Yeah, and they were, I think, That's... four and six when he got fired yeah. because they won last night. But, like, I, don't, I just I don't agree with it. I don't agree with it at all. From an optic standpoint, from, like, an analytical standpoint, to me it just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, unless the players did actively hate this guy. And yeah, or like, or completely the players him. loved him so much that you didn't think they were like playing as hard as they should be. But like, even that, like, I don't know. When you're a top three possession team, how much harder can you be playing? Well, that, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. It, by all accounts, they're playing really, really well and just not getting goaltending. Yeah, so. it's just luck. So it's like, I don't know. 
It's uh, I don't really have much more to say and on that. The alternative to their PDO bad PDO being luck is just Mark Andre Fleury is bad now. Yes. which he also can't control. Yeah, yeah, so. Exactly. It's like oh yeah, it's really your coach's fault. You went into the year with a thirty-five-year-old goaltender and no backup option. Yeah. So, I don't know. Like um. Want to move on? I guess we got a few more things. I want to get to the Cassian thing real quick, uh, and then we got a couple small topics we could talk about before uh, it ends. Um, Zach Cassian, Matthew Kachuk had uh, some stuff happen. Um, some stuff happened, yeah. So Matthew Kachuk took two or three runs at Zach Cassian, uh, hit him. I don't. I, I didn't think it was the cleanest hits in the world. Uh, no. I didn't. I didn't think it was as dirty as other people were making him, but it was definitely something. You don't want to see. No, I I don't know if they were suspendable hits, though. They were definitely... They were penalties. Penalties, yeah. Like, they were charging... The guy took, like, six... So the one thing, Ray Farrell brought up a really good point. So he said that um, Rafi Torres made these kind of hits uh, a couple years ago. Not, like, the open ice just jumping at a guy's head. Taking hoses. They made a rule for Rafi Torres where it's pretty much like when he started at the top of the circle, came in, you could tell he wasn't playing the puck at all and just dummied a guy from his shoulder or his back. That was a suspension. And then those hits just kind of went away because Rafi Torres' of the league went away. But now Kachuk threw like three of them in one game. He's like, okay, but why aren't you suspending those? And if that's an actual rule, I, I would be very good. I would be then, fine yeah. with being a suspension. You know, just from like the head contact aspects of things, from like an NHL viewpoint, I don't think it would be a suspension. I'm all for doing I, double IHF where any contact to the head is an automatic 10 minute and it's like, if you even get close to primary contact, it's a suspension. I would like that, but the NHL's not like that, so it's not going to happen. But yeah, based off the NHL's precedence, it's not insane that it wasn't suspended. No, I mean, when you look at the hits, it was like, well, I think both of them you could call charging. One of them, maybe. And just the fact that it happened multiple times. Yeah, in I mean, the same he clearly game. wasn't. Yeah, he clearly wasn't looking for the puck. Um, that being said, like, uh, I'm not, you know, the onus has to be on the hitter. I think Kachuk has to be more responsible. And the fact that there was zero penalties on any of those hits is insane. He has to be held responsible, yes. too, by the refs in this yes. game. But Cassian's got to have his head up a little bit there, too. But So now we get into what Zach Cassian did. So I guess when when you go um, put away the Cassian stuff for a second, do you think what Kachuk did should have been a suspension based on the NHL standards or just your standards? Based on the NHL standards, no, but if... Like, you're taking just repeated runs at the guy. I would have been fine if he got a game. Yeah, that's fine. Like, or at least, like, a heavy penalty. Like, something. Like the, fact something. That, the fact that he got no penalty is insane. He should have got a penalty on the ice. That's for sure. But that's yeah, that's the ref, yeah, that's the ref screwing up, not Department of Player Safety. But, you know, like, I, I don't know. Like, by the NHL rules, I'm shocked that people thought that should have been a suspension. Yeah, the, I don't think relative to the NHL's precedence, there's... I think in general, I, if he would have got suspended a game or two, I would have been fine with it. Um, yeah, but now not. you get to what Zach Cassian did. There's no place for this in hockey. There's absolutely. I don't care if you got hit. Get your damn head up, and be a bigger man than that. Yeah, it was one of those things where like you get where he's coming from, but also like you just can't have. You can't ragdoll a dude on the ice and then like he's not throwing punches. I call Kachuk as weak as you want. I don't care. That's fine. Yeah, you can call him pussy for yeah, that or whatever but, you want to say. Yeah, like, but if that like, makes you happy, say it. But, but, like, the fact of the matter is he just ragdolled a guy who wasn't fighting back, and it was a one-man fight. And at the end of the day, he took a four-minute penalty on that, and they scored the winner on that. Like, the Edmonton lost the yeah, game because of what game. Cassian did. But he So this should have been more than two games. I am a firm believer this should have been six or seven games. 
Yeah, like, you just can't have people fighting unwilling combatants. No. Combatants. And you then have you, to say that is wrong. Again, if right. you want to go with the, oh, Kachuk's a wimp thing, that's fine. Like, yeah. I, I don't have a strong opinion on that one way or the other. I think Kachuk was doing exactly what he tried to do, and he didn't want to fight because he knew Cassian would take the penalty, and it would lead to two points for Calgary. It is a little... <laughs> I can see how it would be irritating oh, you you're willing to it take runs and then yes. not stand up for yourself. I'm just like, saying, like, I know exactly what Cassian was trying, or uh, Kachuk was trying to do. He won. But yeah, so it's like, but like, to me, it should have been like one or two games and seven games. Because at the end of the day, you know, just as the onus needs to be on the hitter for Kachuk for hitting a guy like that, the onus needs to be on Cassian to go, okay, this guy's not fighting back. You know, I can't just ragdoll him in the ice and then punch him four times. Yeah. You know, like, it, you just simply can't do that. I'm sorry. Yeah, like, you, and I can even get why his teammates weren't, were, like, behind him. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I would have been. You yeah, could no, see like, how it would fire up the, the uh, boys yeah. on the bench or whatever, but. Well, and I mean, like, so Kachuk did exactly what he did. I don't, it's so, it, it's so tough because it's like, there's a borderline. It's like, you don't want to say, I get why he did it. It's, I, <laughs> like, I, I kind of understand why he did it. I just don't, it wasn't the right thing to do. I think going after him was fine if you want to give him a shot or two. But it's after you give him a shot or two and he doesn't react. You can't then ragdoll him the ice, bash his head in the ice a couple times, and just keep punching him or whatever it was he did. That's the problem I have with it. Yeah, just full stop. You can't yes. fight unwilling combatants. Yes, I have no problem trying to get him to go or giving him a shot or two at the whistle, right? Like, to me, I don't know. Like, if you're sucker punching him, that's one thing. But like, if you're like giving him a shot on the shoulder and then you you know you try and throw a bit of a punch there, I don't know. Like that's one thing to me. But uh, just after that, taking him to the ice, that's another. You can't do that. You just you simply cannot do that. Yeah, and um, yeah, if you want to argue to Chuck's a chicken shit or whatever for it, then sure, go right yeah. ahead. But I said I'm not going to stop you. I I don't think it was. You know, I think Kachuk did exactly what he wanted to do. But yeah, yeah, he um, won. Yeah, like, uh, but, you know, it was that the right thing to do? I don't know. I don't really, I think that's just personal opinion. I don't really care. Like, you don't have to No, like, there's nothing people. that says you have to fight. Um, I think Kachuk will probably have to answer the bell. Uh, so here, okay, so here's the biggest problem I have with a two-game suspension. Um, they play, the, his first game back is tomorrow night against the Calgary Flames again. Yeah. He's already said he would change nothing if he had to do it again. To Chuck? No, Cassian. Cassian. He's getting married. He's like, no, I've been defending myself and my teammates since minor midget. I'm going to do the exact same thing. It's like, fair enough, but like at the same time, you still can't just destroy a guy who's not trying to fight you. Like, but It's also Cassian's job to say that. Yes. Yeah, I'm not, again, I'm not blaming him for saying that because he had to. What I'm saying is, if you're the Department of Player Safety, I know, and you know the NHL lo- wants this to happen, but they don't want anyone to get hurt, but they want everyone watching this damn game. Yeah. But it's like you know that something's going to happen again. Yeah, so th- there's no way this game... Like, there's no way we, because I'm not going to watch it, wake up in the morning and don't... There isn't just firestorms or tweets well, it's about like, this game. So let's say... Let's say Kachuk gets ran from behind. Or like... So the, the thing TSN Overdrive was talking about, it's like, um, in the 80s, what would happen was it'd be like... It'd kind of be like a Cold War, like, nuclear arms thing, where it'd be like, instead of going back at the guy, it just turns to the next guy in order. It's like, okay, you're going to bomb, like, you're going to hit me, or it's like, you're going to hit, so for Calgary, it'd be, I'm not going to go after Kachuk, now I'm going after Goudreau. Yeah. And then it'll be like, okay, well, if you're going after Goudreau, I'm going after McDavid. And then McDavid's like, okay, what the, like, stop. Yeah, like, it just can escalate pretty easily. Yeah. Like, so, I don't know. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, 
if we end up with like a Connor McDavid taking a knee on knee from a fourth line player from the Calgary Flames, it's like this is on you, Department of Player Safety, because you thought it was fine enough to suspend a guy for two games and let him come back against that same team. Yeah, it's they got interesting television out of it, I guess, but I think it was a pretty dumb idea. Yeah, to let him absolutely back. Um, for this game, anyways, just yeah. give him the third and. Hopefully after I don't they're still gonna play again, but at least if it's a month or something, then cooler heads prevail yeah. maybe. But uh, um, yeah, and then so uh, on Department of Player Safety real quick. Do you see the Perot thing going off on play, Department of Player Safety the other night? So he yes, he, so he took an elbow to the head, and then so he got mad after the game that it didn't get called on the ice, and then they're like, no, it's not a suspension because they felt the primary contact was on the shoulder. Um, no, like I, I just I, I've had a big issue with Department of Player Safety this year. I think they've been worse than past years. Yeah, it's hard to remember if it's hindsight bias or not. Yeah, but it certainly feels like they've been way worse. Last this year, year, I defended them enough. <clears throat> like last year, I thought they were like they're never going to be good, and they're never going to be what people want. Um, they have a hard job, yes, but like they've been actively <clears throat> bad in my opinion this year. I thought last year was like most of their explanations. I thought I could at least kind of get behind. There was a couple that was like, "What are you doing?" But there was, like, some that was like, okay, yeah, given your output, this is fair. You know, your past history, this is fair enough. But this year, it's been, like, they just haven't bothered to suspend, like, four head checks. And it's like, when, like, when, no, like, you, no, like, this is your job. Come yeah, on. exactly. Like, I, I just, I'm, I don't know. I haven't really liked it. Uh, I don't have much more to say on Department of Player Safety. It's No, it was good joke. to see Pro call them out, though. I like that. Yeah, no, I'm fine with it. The same with, um, um, uh, uh, sorry, John Tortorella, when he called out uh, the refs. I think he was kind of in the wrong there uh, in terms of... You could argue well, he was a little I, I don't overboard. Like, but... Yeah, like, I, I think he was probably a little overboard, but like at the same time, I think it's stupid that the league can't take any criticism. Um, I think Tortorella probably went a little overboard in terms of that, but like, if you say that, oh yeah, the Department of Player Safety is a joke or whatever, it's like, that. I don't think they are trying to protect me right now. You get hit with a heavy fine, it's like... Okay, if you're that insecure, maybe you should look at why players are, and coaches are saying this. Yeah, why the people you're trying to, quote, protect. Yeah, are. it's one thing if you're protecting, say, a ref where a coach just berates him after. It's like, this is the worst ref in the world. He shouldn't even be on the ice. Like, he's he's an absolute joke. His opinion means nothing. His life doesn't matter. Something like that. Like, that's obviously one thing where it's like, no, like, you need to be heavily fined for this. It's another where you go, yeah, the way the league does it is an absolute joke. It doesn't make any sense to me. And you go, no, 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 no. That's a massive fine. Like, you need to be able to take some criticism. And sure, you can say do it privately, but I think we both know that if it's criticism privately, it's just going to be like, oh, yeah, no, we'll take that into consideration, and then they won't do anything about it. I could see why you'd want to make it public. Yeah, exactly. To make it's like statement. the baseball thing. Like, uh, so... If anyone somehow missed this, uh, right now in the MLB, there's a massive scandal with the 2017-2018 World Series winners, the Houston Astros and the Boston Red Sox. Of uh, Houston was tipping the pitches off. They knew exactly what was coming because they used cameras. Uh, there's like eight different insane levels to this. But this all started because the ex-Houston uh, pitcher, Mike Fire Fears, I believe his name is, yeah, is now pick, pitching in Oakland. He's like, oh yeah, this is happening. Like This is what they did. This is what we did. Which is hilarious. And that he went public with it, and the MLB out. got mad, but the MLB would have just tried to keep it private. It's the same with the NHL. It's like, if you have a complaint, you're like, eh, we're not going to let this leak, I don't think. We'll try and sweep this under the rug. No, why would you make a complaint that makes you look like an idiot? Yeah. Look if you don't have to. Exactly. Uh, speaking of John Tortorella, the Columbus Blue Jackets are on a somewhat of a heater right now. 
Uh, they're like in the second wild card spot, or they're right on the edge for it now. Uh, and this is now without Jonas Corposalo, who is was like, like probably could have got all star votes if it wasn't for Tristan Jari, I think as well in that division. Um, he has been unreal. Uh, he went down hurt, so that's why uh, Tortorella a week or two ago got so mad. Uh, Elvis came in. He hadn't had a win yet. I think he's won like five of his last six or something like that. They're on a three-game winning streak and seven, two, and one in the past ten. So. Yeah, and I think he has won five or six of those. So uh, it's just insane what they're doing right now with the roster that they're doing, uh, or with the, with the roster that they have. Um, At the Blue Jacks make the playoffs, I'm going to be really impressed with Torts. Yeah, Torts, I think, has to get the Jack Adams at that point, even if it's, you know, like, I, I mean, because, like, just from normal voting standards, that's he'll get it. Like, oh, yeah, he will definitely like, win it. Yeah, um, I mean, like, you're looking at their analytical numbers right now, 22nd in not exactly Corsi. Corsi gods. Their but, XG is well above average, though. So that's good, I mean, so when you're, like... Right there with the Leafs. Yeah, I mean, so when you're... Boston. When you're sacrificing a little bit of, um... Uh, uh, quantity, quantity for, quality. for quality, and not to like an extreme level. It's not like Ottawa where they're thirty thirtieth in Corsi and eighteenth or whatever it is next goals. It's like thirteenth and twenty second. It's not like that's a huge gap. Yeah, they're just a couple spots away from average yeah, on the opposite side. Exactly. So it's like when you're and when you have a roster like this, that's kind of what you have to do, right? Like, don't play in a shootout. Just kind of play solid defensively, and then you try and use your skill and go all up offensively. So yeah. They're, Doing way better than I think. Yeah, I mean, look, and look at their IR list team. right now, too. Like, they have, oh God. yeah, Dubinsky, Ryan Murray, Bjorkstrand, Josh Anderson, Alexander Texier, uh, and, and, you know, Corpus Allo. Actually, maybe he's back now. I don't know. Uh, Cap currently has him back. That's interesting. I, mean, I, I thought he was out for an extended period of time. I don't know if he's played um, since he's been back. Yeah, but, uh, like, they, had a lo- they just have a long list of injuries, and they just keep on rolling. So, um, yeah, good for them. And, and, you know, good for Torts. I think Torts is a guy who... Uh, for all the crap he's taken, and rightfully so, I think he has been a guy who's clearly changed his way of thinking. And apparently, you know, uh, obviously I don't follow Columbus that closely, but from the beat uh, report, beat writers uh, this year is they also he kind of realized that this summer he kind of had to change his coaching again. So last year he was pretty hard on guys like Panarin and Bobrovsky and Duchesne, and because it was an older group, and they said that that might have also been like part of the reason they did not even want to come back. But it was like this year he realized he's got such a young group that he can't just come in and scream at them, right? Like, yeah, and good for him yeah, for realizing. Yeah, that. exactly. Like I got nothing wrong with trying to realize that you need to change. It's same with when he was he was a disaster in Vancouver. Yeah, like like he was an absolute disaster in Vancouver. And then he took the Sedins and was like, "They're gonna play my way." Yeah, exactly. And then so like after he comes back from that, everyone's like, "Oh yeah, Columbus." Like they hired him as like to just try and like get through the season or whatever, and he ended up taking them to the playoffs, I believe. We're getting real close. Um, but, yeah, like good for him. He's clearly changed uh, his way of thinking enough to the point where it's like he can be effective in different ways. And, again, he's not a top-five coach or anything, but he's that. I would have a couple years ago considered him a bottom-five coach, and I don't anymore, I don't think. Yeah, he's got to the point where when he inevitably does get fired, it looks like somebody will be there to hire him again. Yep. Um, so, uh, yeah, I don't know. Good for him, I guess. Uh, other team on an absolute better uh Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, we've talked about them a little bit, but like the strengths of what they're doing is just insane. Uh, Malkin's yeah. going superhuman mode again. Yeah, I said it was fair to be skeptical that Malkin still had this in him, and boy, was I wrong. Uh, Tanov has been better than anyone would have expected. Uh, um, you have guys like John Marino, who've just been like legitimate top four defensemen. Yeah, didn't they get him for like a sixth from Edmonton or something? Yeah, like something that? like that. Um, you know, like, like he's been legitimately really, really good. Like, really, really good. Uh, 
Brian Rust is suddenly a top line player. He's just a god yeah, out of um, nowhere. Jared McCann has finally found his uh, his strut. He's the 23-year-old, right, that they got from Florida? Yeah. Yeah, he's finally found his... Uh, Rust has passed his career high in points already. Yeah, like, it's just, it's insane. And they've done this without one of Malkin or Crosby for the entire year. They've played, like, I think four games together now. Um, yeah, it hasn't been much. Tristan Jari, Matt Murray struggles. Tristan Jari comes up and is, like, an all-star caliber goaltender. Uh, it's been insane. Uh, and suddenly they look very, very good again. They look like they might be, like, a top three team in the league. Yeah. And, like, then they have, like, Gensel's out now for most of the year. Schultz has been out. Uh, Dumoulin's out. Bukestead's out. Crosby's been out. They are, I believe, their third place in the league in expected goals for percentage without, yeah, sitting out for the whole year, half the top six. I would buy an argument that other than Tampa, they're the best team in the league right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, them or... um, yeah, no, probably them. You know, them or Vegas. But Vegas, like, maybe. Yeah, but, like, Vegas doesn't even have goaltending. So if you're including goaltending, they're absolutely the best team in the league, in my yeah. opinion. Uh, it's just, I just want to give them props for what they're doing because yeah, it's, it's, it's cool. been insane. Um, you know, it's gonna, the Coach of the Year thing's going to be very interesting this year. Also, okay, no, we'll get to this in a second. But the Coach of the Year thing's going to be very interesting this year because it's like... Does Sullivan finally get some love? Yeah, exactly. And it's like, but also, like... I don't know, Toronto keeps rebounding, Keith could get some love, or it's like, you know, like, I just said, if Columbus makes the playoffs, Torts, if New York makes the playoffs, um, what's their, is it David Quinn still coaching there? Yes. He would probably get some love, like, even though I think that'd be more Panarin just kind of dragging them, but, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see. Other fun thing about coaching, uh, Guess who's the coach for the Pacific Division team in the All-Star game? Gallant? No, Gallant. they replaced him already. Did they? Yeah. Oh, okay, because as, as of Wednesday night, it was like, yeah, he'd still kind of planned on going. No, I forget who Talk they it, probably. him with. Is it Vancouver's coach or uh, Arizona's coach? Um, I don't know. I wasn't. Agreeing. I would be. I was surprised if it wasn't going to be Talk it. Um, But yeah, I wanted to see him going. That would have been fun. Um. Yeah, they replaced him faster than I thought. Yeah, it's Rick Tocchet. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, that's fair enough, I guess. Um, because uh, I don't even think Calgary... Like, Calgary fired their coach this year. I don't even think he'd want to go. No, so. I wish they sent... Yeah, go on. that'd be fun. Go on, anyways. Um, but. but, yeah, uh, that would have been sweet. Yeah. Uh, it's not going to happen, I guess, unfortunately. But, uh, yeah, that would have been all kinds of fun. I, I don't know if he would have wanted to go either, but, like, it would have been fine like... Go gay. Because where is it? Uh, it's in St. Louis. I, maybe you don't want to go there in February. Yeah, go party at least. Yeah, but like, if he's got a family, maybe he just wants to take some family time too, right? But, yeah, I don't know. Um, Okay, that was a bit more of a sad note. Not a sad note, just not as fun as I was hoping to end off on. It's know. too bad they replaced him already. Yeah, because that would have been... been fun story. You know the NHL wouldn't have been down with it, but that would have been sweet. Um, I don't have any much more to say. Uh, no. We went through a lot today. We probably missed some stuff, but... Uh, it's hard not to when you yeah, think of We should have recorded a week or two ago. It's just school and stuff got pretty busy. Uh, we're going to try and get we back on. We didn't do anything over Christmas break either was the funny part. Yeah. It well, just, it was like, life happened. Yeah. Well, between, because it was like, we were going to try and get one between uh, New Year's and Christmas, because we did one before Christmas, but it was like World Juniors and stuff and just, I was you know, sick too. Yeah, you were sick. I was saying, we had, when you have four Christmas dinners between, you know, the 25th and the 28th, it's kind of hard, and then... It's a busy time. Yeah, year. and, you know, World Juniors were on, and then by that time it was almost New Year's. We're like, all right, we'll get started in the New Year, and then, I don't know, school started right in the New Year, so. Pretty much. Yeah. I don't know. Everyone, uh, thanks for uh, listening, everyone. We hope everyone had a good Christmas and a new, good New Year. Um, you know, we look forward to a big 2020. Uh, 
As always, you can find me on Twitter at NHL Sends and Stuff, Chase on Twitter at CMHockey66. You can find my work at lastwordonhockey.com. I'm hoping to get back into the analysis in 2020. I kind of tailed off at the near uh, 2019, but I got rumors posts and prediction posts going up every Friday and Saturday, so you can go and check those out. Uh, do you have anything else to plug? Uh, no. No? I uh, have. I've, I'm finally going to do something publicly because I have to for a class. Right. For a sports economics class, so I'm finally going to release a paper on something eventually. But oh, there you go. That's not till the end of the semester. So, so keep your eyes on that in four months, everyone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, we'll see you all next week. Uh, I don't. We don't have a designated time. It might be Fridays again, so it gets published Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, sometime. It'll probably be Friday if I yeah. had to guess. I'd say. But uh, thank you everyone for listening, and have a good week. Oh.